0: Time now for sports on 104.7 The Cave. Here's Ned Reynolds. Mike, the intern, Ned Reynolds, back in the studio, back to work. It's Monday, and how did the Price Cutter Charity Championship golf tournament turn out?
1: This is a little unusual, but it has happened before. Unusual because the, the field of golfers are so good in any of the professional tournaments. But we had a winner who played TD Green all 72 holes. He either led or shared the lead. His name is David Coker, and he came away with the first prize, won it by six strokes. And, Mike, he was 28 strokes under par. We kind of speculated that as dry as it's been and as good as these golfers are, that we might break 30 under par. Did not quite happen, but 28 under par is a new record for the PCCC. And David Coker, who's a product of the University of Maryland Big Ten Conference player, And a kid from New Jersey comes out here and wins it by six shots. He was six strokes ahead of the field at the end. First prize, now keep in mind, this is not a lot of money when you take a look at the scheme of things in professional athletics. And it isn't really the money that counts on the piece on the uh, Corn ferry Tour. It's the points that you're getting. Well, his first prize, $135,000. Pretty good, that'll put some bread on the table for a while, but the points That he accrues for winning that tournament. That is big. And very important to these guys because the more points you have, the much better your chances of getting on the PGA Tour and Who knows, maybe the live folks come along and offer him a bundle, but whatever, David Coker is the winner, and he wins it at 28 shots under par, and that's a very nice win.
0: Big time, very nice win. I had some friends out there and got to see a little bit of the action from the side, which was nice to see uh, (laughs) some of those posts. Uh, I actually saw one guy take a shot uh, literally out of the water, which was uh, pretty interesting. I'm sure yesterday if you were going to go take a shot and have to stand in water it was the day to do it for
1: sure (laughs) uh speaking only one gets the prize uh this is really kind of interesting this was the race at long pond which is the pocono international raceway beautiful locale in a really spectacular part of the country the pocono mountains of pennsylvania long pond is the name of the town in which they run and there were three. Okay, they run the uh, the race, and here comes Denny Hamlin across. He gets the checkered flag. He is the winner. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. His car is disqualified. So he is not the winner. So you give it to the second place guy, Kyle Busch. He's the winner. Uh, no, he's not either. His car is disqualified. Two disqualifications. And finally, they gave it to the third place finisher, Chase Elliott. So he gets the win at Mount Pocono yesterday. Three winners, three different winners, but only one collects the prize, and that's Chase Elliott. How in the hell did their cars get disqualified? Too big, number one, way too much, or maybe too, I think in one case, the gas tank was not uh, not in regulation size or whatever the case. They have very stringent rules in NASCAR to prevent anybody from getting any kind of a break at all. and. Uh, evidently, these cars did not did not shape up to what the protocol is. Wow. So <laughs> do you think
0: that's kind of one of those things where someone screwed up? Or let's try and ride no. the line here and not get busted? You don't
1: know. You don't know what it is. Can we get by with the inspectors? They ought to know by now that you cannot do that. That's not going to work. Those inspectors you would, you are would think that. sharp. Yeah. But uh, in some cases, it's a miscalculation because a lot of it's based on metrics and you measure, the, uh, for instance, the gas tank or the size of maybe the axle or what, whatever it is that they look for, th- there are certain uh, specifications you fall into. And if you're missing them by maybe a quarter or a fraction of an God. inch or whatever, hey, you're out.
0: That sucks, especially if you're the first one to go across the finish line. All right, uh, speaking of firsts, the rookies and draftees were the first to uh, report to camp along with quarterbacks in St. Joseph, Missouri. Try to give them a little bit of edge. Uh, when did the vets get into town to start full workouts? This
1: afternoon is when they come in, but you're absolutely right. The quarterbacks and maybe most of the second stringers and maybe some hangers-on have been there for a couple of days. They are, of course, is Missouri Western State University up in St. Joe. That is where the Chiefs train. The quarterbacks, I find this very interesting. You know who leads the pack? Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. He, you know, come on, he's Patrick Mahomes. And he is there. He's leading the pack. That's the kind of guy who you want on your team, Mike. He's a leader. He shows the others what to do. You mentioned earlier, and and this is fact, that back uh, oh, in the middle part of June, he invited many of his receivers down to Texas on his own. He paid their way down there. So they could form some kind of a time basis on what they're gonna do because a lot of it is timing. Well here he is right there. This is the wealthiest player in pro football. I know the other guys have the big annual contracts. Well, <laughs> Patrick Mahomes is almost a lifetime contract at half a million, half a billion dollars. And he, he's the leader, and he's there. He's showing the way. Anyway, over and above all that, he's been there. The veterans arrived this afternoon, and they begin the first full workouts on Wednesday, Wednesday morning. It is hot in St. Joe, but what else is new? It always is. Yeah, oh, God, <laughs> it,
0: you're, you ain't lying. And But, you know, and just to kind of uh, uh, piggyback on what you're saying about Patrick, there, you know, obviously the interview, making the rounds about him being asked about the whole Kyler Murray contract and all that stuff, and he goes, you know what, money's money. I'm going to be taken care of for the rest of my life. I'm going to be more concerned about how well we did as a team than how much money I have in my bank account. And that, my friends, is the guy you want as your quarterback. We will add
1: hallelujah.
0: Now it's time to talk about baseball. You know, the Cardinals, I really felt like, should have probably got some some wins over the weekend, but that was not the case.
1: Playing the Cincinnati Reds, who are among the weakest teams in all of baseball. They got off to, what, a 1-20 start in the season. Playing a little bit better since then, but they are pro athletes. Come on. But looking at their lineup, Mike, and I'm I'm into this. You know, this is my business. I don't even recognize half those names in the lineup. <laughs> and these are young kids who are in there playing. I thought the Cardinals would sweep that series. I really thought they'd come in Should've. with Wainwright and with Miles Michaelis throwing and... Dakota Hudson, uh, hey, come on, you're going to sweep that series. They lose two out of three and lose yesterday six to three. They not only lost two out of three, they also lose a game in the uh, standings to the Milwaukee Brewers, but they also lose two of their players. Now you say, wait a minute, who who did they lose? This is for the next two games, folks. I thought last week it was kind of interesting. I didn't say anything on the air, but I thought it was interesting that the Cardinals were not mentioning anything about the eligibility of players going to Toronto to play. The Royals, hey, they came clean. Now keep in mind, Major League Baseball teams don't have to do this. There's no mandate uh, what the vaccination situation is their own private business. It is a personal thing. Royals got permission to say, hey, we have ten players who are not going to go to Canada to play. And the Royals got a win in one of those four games up there. That's pretty doggone good. Huh, wonder why the Cardinals aren't saying anything. They're playing in Toronto. Reason why they didn't say anything until yesterday, or actually on Saturday is that two of the players who are unvaccinated are Paul Goldschmidt, a candidate for most valuable player and a guy who hit two home runs yesterday and is batting 3.36, and his partner, Nolan Arnado, not vaccinated, not playing tomorrow, uh, yeah, tomorrow or Wednesday in Toronto. They won't play. That takes the heart right out of your lineup. That's not to say the Cardinals aren't going to win. These are professional athletes. But boy, that really limits your chances. They chose not to get vaccinated. Okay, that's the penalty. They'll rejoin the team in Washington, D.C. this weekend when the Cardinals play the Washington Nationals. But, boy, I tell you, that's that's a bitter pill to have to swallow. It
0: is a bitter pill, especially after uh, uh, losing to the Reds over the weekend in that series. And then, you know, we got to go to Toronto see what happens. But I, I had the same feeling you did when everyone was talking about the Royals. I was like, well... Uh, Cardinals definitely got some guys. We're going to have to wait and see who those are, and we got the announcement over the weekend. I wonder so. why
1: we're not hearing anything. Yeah, There's no, a reason why. That's <laughs> why. All right, what else is going on uh, for the Royals and uh, Springfield Cardinals? Well, the uh, the Royals got a win, knocked off the Tampa Bay Rays, and this <laughs> this is typical of the Kansas City inconsistency in their lineup. Had a 4-2 to win over the Tampa Bay Rays, who are a very good team. It was four runs and 14 hits. Fourteen hits and only four runs out of that, well, it's enough to win, that's the bottom line. But boy, you should have had more runs than that, well, that's how Kansas City has played all year long. But they did get a win, that is fine. And don't look now, folks, don't look now, but the Springbirds, the Springfield Cardinals, are in first place. First place in the Northern Division of the Texas League, second half of the season. They are playing lights out baseball. They come through with a sweep of the Northwest Arkansas Naturals, including an 11-4 win yesterday down in Springdale. This team is rocking, and they are home. Starting tomorrow night for a six-game series. It's going to be a lot of fun, folks. Get on out there and see this team. They're young. They're greatly improved. And some of these guys I don't want to be a harbinger of doom. It isn't doom. It's a promotion for them, but they're not going to be here too much longer.
0: You're absolutely right about that, and it's uh, it's it's kind of nice to see the future of Cardinals baseball doing so well right now. Are you going to any games this week?
1: We do the game a week from yesterday. Okay, Sunday, awesome. Sunday so
0: you'll be the Sunday afternoon game. I think we're going to go out Wednesday, so we'll be sweating, but that's what summer's all about. All right, it's a big day of baseball Hall of Fame. Who are some of the inductees? Ned? Well, the
1: big uh, the big crowd pleaser was Big Poppy David Ortiz and since Cooperstown and Boston, it's certainly within traveling distance. He had a huge level of support. David Ortiz, Big Poppy, gets in. So does Jim Cott, a great pitcher from, gosh, the late 1960s, actually the mid-60s, right up and through, um, oh gosh, the 1980s. Cott was a very effective pitcher. Then you had Gil Hodges, who dates back to my days as a, a boy with the Brooklyn Dodgers. Home run hitting first baseman, solid player, former manager. Tony Oliva of the Minnesota Twins, great hitter, consummate hitter. Here's one who, Mike, I throw in just a a not name-dropping because I did have the chance and did interview Manny Minoso. Manny Minoso won't mean anything to you, but back in the late 40s and early 50s, he was one of the first of the Caribbean players to come up here, played with the Chicago White Sox. Then, in a very big deal, was traded to the Cardinals. Did suffer an injury playing with the Cardinals. But he was here in Springfield probably about, I'm going to guess, maybe, maybe 30, 25, 30 years ago, appearing with a company that uh, was using him as, as kind of a front man and so forth. Great interview. He was, <laughs> I'm 74, and that's a broken English. I'm 74 years old, but I still don't wear glasses. Very <laughs> proud of what his athletic ability. Minnie Minoso going in, and then with the early baseball era committee, that's one of the adjuncts that baseball has, uh, Bud Fowler and Buck O'Neill, and Buck needed to be in a long, long, long I'm time super- ago. I thought he was in. Nothing. Wow, he's in the Negro. League yeah, Ball yeah, of fame, he definitely needed to be but, in there, but not in the major league. I Ball thought of fame he was until yesterday.
0: Well, that's a good thing, I guess. Uh, sometimes you gotta wait, but at least it happened for old Buck. Ned, thank you so much. Have a great day, and I'll see you tomorrow.